right. Well, today uh, we continue our observance of uh, Yom Kippur. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting that on uh, the Jewish holidays, not only traditionally, not only are the passages from the Torah read that talk about those days, but other, other, books, are read, other books of the Bible are read. So uh, on Monday night, we, uh, I was teaching uh, our MSI class on uh, the writings. The writings is a very generic uh, term. It's basically uh, uh, everything in the Tanakh that isn't the Torah or the prophets. Some of it is poetry, history, stories, and just, you know, a lot of things. So we were uh, looking at it, the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, you know, it was kind of a meaningless moment. No, not really. It was... No, just a little, a little Ecclesiastes humor. <laughs> okay. So uh, anyway, I made the point that there's a Jewish holiday when we read Ecclesiastes. Why would we ever want to read the book of Ecclesiastes uh, on a holiday? You know, vanity, vanity, everything is vanity. We're all going to die. We might as well enjoy what we have right now, you know. And at the end of the day, fear God. You know, and there you go. There's your word for today. Uh, there's actually, of course, a lot more in Ecclesiastes. Uh, but uh, I, um, I asked everyone, what holiday is it? Well, I think we pro- some of us here may know what it is because you've uh, been around the block a few times, and I probably have mentioned it on that holiday, and that is the holiday is Sukkot. Uh, and on Sukkot, we read the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, at a particular uh, time, you know, during the varieties of services in the synagogue, it's read. We don't always read it here on that holiday, but I might mention it. Uh, so uh, you'll, you'll come back on Sukkot and we'll talk about why that is. But since it's Yom Kippur, we have other things to talk about. But there's a, uh, there is a, uh, uh, a book of the Bible that's read on Yom Kippur, usually in the afternoon. If you're familiar with Yom Kippur, you know that there is ample time for lots of uh, verses in the Bible to be read, right? And uh, in the afternoon, technically, it's, uh, you you know, those of you that uh, uh, are familiar uh, with it, you know that the service is like all day, right? So it's like 8.30 in the morning, and then there's like a break. It's not the end of the, it's not the end, just like a break. Like, uh, you know, uh, at, at around maybe, I'm going to say, 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, something like that. And then uh, a couple hours, and then you come back uh, f- uh, until it's all over, uh, after the sun goes down. Uh, and uh, in the, uh, the return, when you return after the break, okay, it's not, there's a little bit more than a break, right? Uh, you come to a service that's called the afternoon service, okay? The afternoon service is called mincha. Mincha. Do you know that that doesn't mean afternoon service in Hebrew? Uh, mincha was an offering. Mincha was like a grain offering. Okay, and that service is uh, back in you know ages past when all this was kind of put together was to take the place of that grain offering. That's why it's called mincha. Mincha, the name of that uh, service. Uh, and so in the afternoon service on Yom Kippur. The book of Jonah is uh, read. Book of Jonah, and that's uh, uh, kind of interesting because you know Jonah is one of those stories that usually doesn't make it past fourth grade Sunday school or Hebrew school or something, you know. But Jonah is a profound 
uh, word uh, in the Bible. And on the holiest day of the year, uh, the book of Jonah is, I mean, think about that, of everything that could be read, you know, the book of Jonah is read. So I thought we might spend a little time, I haven't, I look back in uh, Yom, Kippur, Yom Kippur past, and I saw that I, I really, uh, I, sometimes I'll speak on Jonah very briefly uh, at the very end uh, of uh, Yom Kippur, but I can't remember in any time in recent history that I uh, actually gave a message on Jonah as the main word for uh, Yom Kippur. Well, today is the day. So we want to uh, understand a little bit about Jonah. Jonah was a prophet uh, of God, and it was in the middle 700s when he was the uh, uh, functioning as a prophet. And uh, it was a very kind of an interesting time in the northern kingdom of uh, Israel. It was kind of a, uh, um, uh, a time of uh, accomplishment of uh, prosperity. That's where I was trying to find. A time of prosperity. Uh, and he is asked to do something very unusual, very unusual for a prophet of Israel to do. Uh, and that is to go to a foreign nation, to be a prophet of Israel to a Gentile land. That is very odd and uh, unusual. Now, sometimes the prophet would speak rhetorically to a foreign nation, but he'd be speaking directly to the Jewish people. You know, you know what I mean? He's like, you know, talking to the Jewish people, but speaking rhetorically, uh, oh, Ammon, what will God do to you? You know, that kind of thing. But here, Jonah uh, is to actually go to a foreign land, Okay. So let it, first of all, the first thing, just the very first thing, let it never be said that before the time of Yeshua, God was not interested in the nations. God certainly was interested in the nations, and, uh, and this one nation in particular. Now, what nation is it that Jonah uh, was to go to? Now, it would make sense, actually, if it was like, uh, what would be like modern-day Lebanon? Uh, modern-day Lebanon in, uh, by cities, we know them as Tyre and Sidon, right? That was Lebanon. And uh, there was a working relationship uh, between Israel and Sidon and Tyre, Tyre, okay? And uh, other, other nations uh, as, as well. But where is it that Jonah is called to go? He is called to go to the enemy, to the absolute enemy of uh, Israel. And that uh, was Assyria. Assyria. Uh, they were still a number of years away from uh, uh, their uh, subjugation, subjugating Israel. They actually come and take uh, 10 of the tribes of Israel and, uh, you know, and scatter them abroad and, and overtake the land. This, these were fierce people. These were uh, people that were, uh, in the eyes of the Israelites, like barbaric and cruel uh, and, and an enemy of the God of Israel and worshiper of foreign gods. These were people not to be messed around with. And not only that, but they are the enemy. They are the people that we don't like. These are the people we can't stand. 
These, should I use the word, these are the people we hate for, for uh, their, their gross violation of uh, not only uh, the word of God, but uh, being uh, civilized uh, human beings in relationship to other, other nations. Within their own nation, they were, I mean, you know, they weren't quote-unquote barbarians in the sense that, uh, you know, um, uncivilized in, the, in, the, in that sense. In their nation, they were, you know, it was an advanced nation, civilized. But in their relationship to others, they were uh, horrible. So the main city, the capital city, uh, was uh, Nineveh. Nineveh. And here Jonah is called to go to Nineveh. And so there's a lot of lessons in the book of Jonah. But one of the primary lessons is, or questions that gets answered is, is uh, everybody or anybody worth saving, uh, being delivered, you know? Uh, and I think that is a uh, challenging question uh, for us. We like the people we like, right? Uh, but we only wish harm on those who come against us. And here, Jonah is called to go to the fiercest enemy that Israel uh, had. Okay? All right. Now, when you look at it at the beginning... <clears throat> It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness uh, has come uh, before me. Now, Jonah runs away. He runs away. Now, you know, I, I'm actually going to jump ahead because, you know, later on he reveals why he runs away. Do you know that? It's not just that uh, he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. But if you look in chapter 4, <laughs> he says he tells us why he, why he runs away. It says in verse 2 of chapter 4, He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, uh, and one who relents concerning calamity. In other words, I ran away because I knew, I just knew based on your character that you, here, the, the Israelites, they don't pay attention at all, right? The Israelites, uh, our own people, they don't listen to the word whatsoever. They, you know, they're, they're killing the prophets, right? You're going to send me to Nineveh and they're all going to believe, I knew that's what was going to happen, okay? And I didn't want that to happen because I hate those people. I didn't want that to happen. So I ran away, okay? So uh, he runs to Tarshish, right? Uh, and approximately uh, Spain, <laughs> okay? So it's the other direction in the, Medi you know, go up to the Mediterranean and out the other direction, okay? Uh, and uh, so he's on his way, and he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Clearly, that's what we read here, right? Uh, uh, and he says, uh, uh, he went down, and at the end of verse 3 of chapter 1, I, uh, I, to uh, Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Okay, so he's running away. 
You know, doesn't that, doesn't that remind you of the, of the verse in Psalms? Where can I flee from you? Where can I run from you? There's, it is a uh, futile uh, endeavor uh, when God is calling you to run away. It only, it only hurts you and the people around you. And that's what begins to happen here. Okay? So the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea and a great storm and... And the ship was about to break up. And so you see the providence of God. Uh, the, uh, uh, everyone is upset. They're, they're crying out. Uh, and they cast lots uh, to see, you know, who's, uh, whose fault is this? Uh, and what are we going to do about it? And, of course, the lot falls on Jonah. lot falls on Jonah. Now, it's very interesting what Jonah says here. <clears throat> he, uh, he says to them in verse 9, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Okay, so Jonah is running away from the calling of God. We would not say Jonah is running away from knowing God. Jonah is not like becoming an atheist here, or he's not deciding to practice uh, some kind of different belief system, Right? Uh, Jonah is uh, a, a person who's very conflicted, very conflicted. He, he, he loves God, but he does not want to do what God has told him to do, and he knows it in his heart. I mean, he has a conviction. He's, you know, he's not ambivalent about it. He's literally running away. He knows what it is that he's supposed to be doing, and he does not want to do it. And so he runs uh, and he, he, the first thing he does, he gives a testimony that he fears the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. God, the, the one and only God who is the creator. He gives like this great word of theology to, the, uh, you know, uh, to these people. Okay, so now they're afraid and they're mad at him. You know, then how could you, uh, how could you do this? So then, uh, you know, the sea is becoming increasingly bad. And in verse 12, Jonah says, this is what you have to do. you got to throw me overboard. you got to throw me overboard, okay? And then the, the sea will calm down, uh, and perhaps, that I, you know, maybe I'll die. Uh, and then, then it'll all be over. I'm not going to Nineveh, and you'll be spared. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come uh, upon you. Okay, And so, very interestingly, Jonah, who can't help himself but be a testimony of the God of Israel, accidentally <laughs> brings uh, the, the men on the boat to understand God, and they come to believe in the God of Israel. Okay, And so, uh, here he gives this testimony, uh, and it says they, you know, they, they believe, but he's, he says, throw me overboard, because I am not going to go to Nineveh, uh, and you'll be spared. Okay. So they pick up Jonah, throw him into the sea, uh, and the sea stops. Then the men feared the Lord greatly. They offered a sacrifice and so on. And then it says in verse 17, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. So God, uh, in his providence, won't let Jonah go. No, Jonah, I'm not going to let you kill yourself. I'm not going to let you off the hook, okay? I have something for you to do. 
Now the fish I, uh, kept it. We don't know what kind of fish it was. Okay, we, we don't know what kind of fish it was. But in some way, Jonah was spared. And Yeshua points to this verse and uh, likens uh, the three days and three nights to uh, his own uh, a death and resurrection. So that's kind of interesting. Okay, so now Jonah, uh, from this live from the stomach of the fish, the embedded prophet in the fish, okay? Uh, can't you just see, well, you know, in my twisted mind, I see the famous guy from the Weather Channel, like, hanging on for dear life. You know, I don't know, it's a little weirdness there. Okay, so uh, he, uh, he prays a prayer of, uh, this great prayer of confession. This is a man who's relying on God. This, this, is, this book is all about irony and conflict, and the same kind of ironies and conflict that we all experience uh, as Messiah followers. We all have these moments where, oh, I don't, you know, God wants me to do this, but I don't want to do this, or, or a conflict just of, 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 a, of a raging or arguing or a wrestling with God. You know, uh, and, uh, and so here he prays this prayer. I called out of my distress to the Lord. This is verse 2 of chapter 2. I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. And I cried for help from the death of Sheol, from the death of the pit. Thou didst hear my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. And thy breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from thy sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward the holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great sea engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth, was its bar, the earth with its bars was around me forever. But thou hast brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into the holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to thee with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then... The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up on the dry land. Okay, so here, Jonah, so to speak, comes to his senses. He's in the pit, and he comes to his senses, and he basically says, Lord, you saved my life. Uh, and uh, we see, basically, he repents. Uh, now he has a whole change of uh, attitude, a whole change of heart as to what he's going to do. He's now going to do what God wants him to do because uh, God has indeed uh, delivered, uh, delivered him. Okay, uh, And uh, so now the fish vomits him up on dry land, evidently on the dry land at Nineveh. Okay, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, and according to the word of the Lord, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. 
Okay, so it took him three days to get there. That uh, has got to be a lot closer than where he was uh, in uh, Israel. Okay, so that's kind of interesting. All right. And he didn't have to take a boat also to get there. <coughs> now, sure enough, Jonah goes uh, through the city, uh, uh, through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. And he issued a proclamation and said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink. But both man and beast must be covered in sackcloth and let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way uh, and from violence which is in his hand. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger uh, so that we may not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Now, if I'm Jonah, or probably your average Israelite, I'm thinking, oh, this could be the end of our enemy. Bring the great calamity, for crying out loud. You know? No, Jonah has to go and, uh, and uh, proclaim God to them. And, and uh, God uh, hears their cry, sees their repentance, and so he spares them. Okay? What, how disappointing would this be? Right? Uh, now, I will say about 50 years later... Uh, they, uh, uh, you know, they horrifically come and uh, uh, destroy uh, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, and scatter them abroad. That raises other questions. But uh, uh, it is an amazing thing here what, uh, what God does. Uh, God does indeed deliver those people at that period of time, those Ninevites, okay? I, uh, and so then now, in chapter 4, Jonah, we see Jonah is displeased and Jonah is angry. Okay? And he says, I knew you were going to do this because I know that back in Exodus, you proclaimed your name. Remember, we talked about that last night a little bit. You proclaimed your name, that you're compassionate and you're gracious and you're patient and you forgive. And so I knew you would do that. Okay? Uh, and so uh, he says now, he has this thing about taking his life. He says, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better for me than life. And he demonstrated that when he was in the boat in the first chapter. That is the kind of disdain that this prophet of God had for a terrible enemy. Okay. And the Lord said, do you, uh, do you have good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. He liked this, now this made him happy. 
the plant made him happy because he was maybe getting like a sunburn. And so he needed the shade. But God appointed a worm after that when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. And it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not uh, cause to grow, which came up overnight and it perished overnight. And should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city on which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know the difference between their right and left hand as well as many animals? And then in such a great uh, moment here, we're left hanging. We don't know how, how Jonah responds. We don't know if he ever comes to terms with it or not. Jonah is a great, great uh, picture of the human, humanness of all of us uh, as, uh, as Messiah followers, as people who love God, as people who pray, as people who uh, are concerned about doing things the right way and making sure that we're uh, good stewards of uh, everything that we have and, you know, and, and all of that. But on Yom Kippur, there's a profound lesson uh, here uh, for us. Uh, and in general, the lesson is, how concerned are we for people in relationship to the things to the comfort, uh, uh, the, the things of comfort around us. For example, just cutting to the chase here, right? Uh, uh, are we more concerned about uh, people out there than uh, about uh, the mowing of the lawn or the painting of the walls or the colors of the carpet or... Uh, uh, you know, the food that we have to eat here or at home or, or here at Beth Messiah. Uh, and probably the best way to say that is, is how much, how are we compassionate for people? Because I think that we want to be. I don't think any of us uh, sitting here would say, I really don't care about people. I'm much more concerned uh, with my creature comforts than I am with people. None of us are going to say that right? Uh, so then the question, the, the better question to ask is, how concerned uh, are we for people? You know, and it's very interesting that in the Bible, you have uh, some very interesting conversations between God and human beings about people. Uh, for example, uh, in Genesis chapter 18, there's this fascinating conversation that Abraham has with God about, of all places, Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, forget about them, right? Just filled with sin and, and terrible things. And Abraham says, but if there are any righteous people, will you spare them? You know, and he goes through all the numbers and, and all that. And it's elongated so that it makes the point for us, uh, you know, that God does indeed care about people 
uh, that, are, that are of people groups that we don't like. Okay? Uh, so we see it, we see it there. Uh, we see it uh, even in uh, Israel, uh, clearly, uh, in a few different places. The biggest one is what Jonah is referring to, the golden calf. God says, I'm going to destroy everybody, and I'm going to start all over again with you, Moses, right? And then Moses intercedes. Moses is like the anti-type of uh, Jonah, okay? Uh, Moses intercedes. Here, the people have done a heinous, terrible thing. And Moses intercedes, and God relents, and he forgives them. Uh, and, he's, and his presence goes on with them, as we, as we learned uh, uh, last night. Uh, and then in the, uh, in the New Covenant, in a couple of places, uh, in a couple of very striking places, they're not usually striking because we know them, and, and you know how it is when you know something, it's like, you know, it's, uh, it's not breaking news anymore. But in Luke chapter 23, I'm going to go backwards in chronologically speaking. Okay, Luke 23. Yeshua says this about his oppressors. Okay? In uh, verse 34. 23, 34. So this is when uh, Yeshua is uh, about to die. Right? And he is being tormented by people that are, I mean, people that are really hurting him. Okay? Now, I might be kind of like Jonah. Lord, get him off of me! You know, kill him! Uh, take them away. Well, what does Yeshua say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. Okay. Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Yeshua shows compassion on, on people that are not, uh, that do, that, well, on the, the lightest way of saying, do not deserve it but on people that are real enemies, okay? And then individually, uh, in chapter 15, when uh, we read here, uh, now that all, all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him, uh, Yeshua, he's then questioned about that. Why are you, uh, why are you having anything to do with these, with these kind of people? Why are you having anything to do with these kind of people? Now, you know, by the way, it's the same kind of thing that people might have said to Jonah, maybe like Jonah's mom or Jonah's friends. What are you doing in Nineveh? What are you doing in Nineveh? Yeshua, what are you doing asking God to forgive these guys? That, that is not smart. So in, in uh, Luke chapter 15, uh, when people challenge him and say, what are you doing hanging around these people? He tells three stories, right? He tells three stories. One story uh, is about three lost things, right? One is a lost coin, one is a lost sheep, and one is a lost son, okay? You know them, you can read them. Uh, uh, his point is, is that Yeshua goes for, the, for those who are lost. In other words, uh, and, and this goes along with, uh, you know, when he says things like, uh, I didn't come for you, I came for the sinners, you know? His point in all of that is, I came for those people who are the lost people, who are the, the people that, are, uh, 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 that, that don't repent, uh, the, 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 the people that are not seemly, that are, are unseemly, seemly, 
Yeah. Uh, the, the people that are not uh, uh, the people who we normally, uh, you know, want to hang around and, and be around. Uh, and, uh, and so when we go back to uh, uh, Jonah, clearly this is uh, part uh, of the, uh, the heart of God. Part of the, the heart of God. And so what do we learn here? We learn here that people are worth uh, saving, even if uh, they are not part of our world socially, spiritually, or politically. Certainly the Ninevites, uh, in the foreign policy of Israel, the Ninevites are the arch enemy. Okay? Now when Jonah goes, he's not going to negotiate some kind of arms treaty with Nineveh. Okay, he's going to speak to the people to turn to God. And this is a great challenge for us. If we were Jonah, would we be willing to go there? Would we be willing to go to uh, uh, whatever, you, you name it. I'm not going to name any, anything or anybody. It will come back to haunt me. But, uh, you know, uh, but are you willing to go there, that place or that group of people that you're thinking about right now, okay? Uh, would you be willing to go there and bring the good news of Yeshua to those people? Uh, even if they're located down the street here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, or even if they're in New Albany. Isn't that kind of interesting? You know, I, uh, I've been around the block many years. And uh, I can remember people uh, speaking, uh, even in our own circles, uh, about our own people in very pejorative and negative terms because they don't believe. And they're this, and they're that, and they're this, and they're that. I say, this is the people we're, we're called to love. Like, you see, these are the people we go to. These are the people we'll lay down our lives for, right? But we should have that attitude not only about our own people, but about, about all people. And that indeed uh, is a challenge. Now, true, Jonah was called to one people group. Uh, and so, uh, you know, God may lay a particular people on our heart, and so that's our focus, you know what I mean? That's where, that's where we place our time and our resources and our energy, and for us here, that's the Jewish community. That's the Jewish community. But that doesn't mean uh, a lack of interest uh, in other communities, obviously, right? Uh, and individually, we have people here that go to prisons, that go to South America, that go to the hilltop area, uh, and other places as well, because God has laid it on their heart to make that kind of sacrifice and that kind of effort. But the challenge is for all of us to have that kind of heart. Do we have this kind of heart for God? Could people say about us that we are uh, compassionate uh, and that we are uh, kind and that we are slow to anger uh, and that we are full of a loving kindness? Uh, just as we read uh, here in Exodus uh, chapter 34. Do we demonstrate that in our own lives? You know, could someone say about us, oh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth? 
uh, who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Are we that kind of people, you know? Uh, and so Jonah was learning about that, and what God was teaching Jonah is that people are more important than the plants, that the people in Nineveh were more important than that plant giving him shade. But when that plant giving him shade died, he was beside himself, and he was saying, well, you might as well just kill me now, you know? And so may we go back to what we said on, uh, on Rosh Hashanah. May we consider our ways and may we be convicted and may we repent of maybe being a little selfish in this way. Uh, and, uh, and may we uh, uh, take in this new year a repentance uh, to this and turn around and uh, begin to develop a real compassion uh, for, uh, for people that are not like us, okay? For people that are not like us. I think that, that's a real challenge uh, for us. And I think that as we develop that kind of passion and compassion, God will bring our uh, people to us, Jew and Gentile alike, not to us, but to himself. Uh, and uh, and that, that attitude will bear fruit. Okay, uh, and so there's that. And then just finally this, God never gives up on us. That's another great thing. God never gave up on Jonah. Jonah said, I want to die. I want to die. I want to die. God kept saying, I'm not going to let you die. I'm not done with you yet. Okay, uh, God could have said, you know, you're going to Tarshish. I'm done with you. Forget about it. Right? Finished. No, God goes out of his way, so to speak and creates a whole set of circumstances to bring Jonah back because he was the man to go to Nineveh, whether he liked it or not, okay? And so God never gives up on us. So perhaps you're here today and you know that maybe, maybe years ago God laid some kind of calling on your heart. And for years you've been denying it and suppressing it and forgetting about it uh, and maybe like running away. And maybe we think, maybe the things that I'm doing, maybe these things that I'm doing in my life that are not so good for me is because I'm running away. Stop running, because God's never going to stop chasing, okay? So stop running and recognize that if, God, if you know the Lord, if you have a relationship with Yeshua, or you're here today uh, and, uh, you know, you're uh, uh, thinking about these things on, on Yom Kippur, that there is a calling on your life. I would go so far as to say, with so much chutzpah, to say, I think, I, I, you know what this reminds me of a little bit is me hearing the good news of the Messiah. Uh, stop running and believe it already, you know? Uh, because I think for all of us, the calling is to know the Lord, to, to know Yeshua. And I think that many of us run and run and run and run away from him because the inside there's, I know, I know it, you know? And so, may we stop uh, running. God uses us despite ourselves. And, uh, you know, and then once again, God loves uh, all people groups, whether it's politically correct or incorrect. And may we really, in the world we live in, the, the, the world we live in where there, where there is so much anxiety about different people groups and what people look like, and where they are, and how they dress, and this and that. It comes against us in certain places, 
like in uh, uh, Germany uh, this morning uh, or in Pittsburgh uh, last year. Uh, it comes against Muslim people. Uh, it comes against uh, uh, people of, uh, you know, uh, Sikh people, people of different uh, uh, religious uh, uh, beliefs. Uh, no, do we agree with them? No. Do, do we, uh, you know, do we accept that? No. Uh, but do they need Yeshua? Yes. And do we want to bring the message of Yeshua to them? Yes, we do. Or whether they're from Somalia or wherever it may be. So may God cultivate that kind of supernatural love, mercy, and compassion in us. Uh, and may we realize uh, that uh, God does indeed have a calling on our lives. Amen. All right. Well, with that in mind, I'm going to ask uh, our music group to come back up. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, and uh, lead us in... Uh, a very appropriate song uh, that is called Come Back, uh, Come Back, uh, O Israel. And uh, so uh, may we uh, have that attitude of, of calling, calling our people and all people back to the Lord.